Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I am your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I'm joined by three friends. First, we have Sari Riley. Hello. Hello. We have Sam Schultz. Hi. And we have Rachel Calderon Navarro. Navarro. Fuck. That's fine. <laughs> I fucked it up. You got the harder one, right? Really? Yeah. Calderon, Calderon is like probably the harder one. Why but... did I say Navarro? Like, I, I don't know. I know the name Navarro. Oh, I know why. Because you have the curse of the last airbender lady where he. <laughs> <laughs> where her long and um, short vowels get all screwed up. Yes. yes, today we are talking about the 2010 abomination, <laughs> The Last Airbender. And Avatar. 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 <laughs> Avatar the last Arbender. <laughs> we have a lot to discuss with this film. I, I really I want to pick this thing apart with just surgical instruments because it is such a broken movie. Like it, it it's it's a broken and I want to be clear. So Rachel, you have seen and really love mm-hmm. Avatar. Yes. The series. Yes, I've seen the whole, all, the entire series twice. Okay. And so I want to be clear, too. We're not When we say Avatar, we're talking about the... Uh, last Airbender. The Last Airbender show, not the James Cameron movie. Right. Uh, Sam, you have also seen it? I've, I think I've seen all of Avatar, the original series, and most of Legend of Korra. And Legend of Korra is a is the sequel, sequel series, yeah, yes. sequel spinoff. We both have seen like the same amount because we watched them like maybe five months ago. Yeah, we watched okay. them together very recently. Um, my brother is a huge fan, so I've seen a lot. Like I've seen a lot of episodes a lot of times, but I don't think I've seen all of the episodes. Probably. Okay. Okay. And then Sari, you also. Yeah, I've seen the whole series. It was one that friends had recommended to me for years and years and years, and then I eventually watched it with Nicole for the Snark Squad pod. Oh, so recently? So recently, yeah. The I watched TV the, show? Yeah, the whole TV oh, show. Okay. So we watched all three books of it, mm-hmm. uh, probably like three or four months ago. But not okay. Korra. But not Korra. Okay. okay. So uh, I have no experience with this other than some animated GIFs and, you know, like the, the stuff you see on Tumblr, like I'd see it in passing. And then I've also had friends recommend it that they think I'd like it, but I've just never really committed to it. I, it's hard for me to commit to new series. So... I just haven't done it. So I'm coming to this with virginal eyes. I am looking at it as specifically as just a movie, not based on anything, just a movie. So, yeah. What did you think? Well, before we get to that, (laughs) Rachel needs to do a 60 second plot dump. Oh, shoot. I forgot about this. I forgot about it until the episode started. And I was like, no. Were you panicking? (laughs) I remembered and prepared and was ready to say that so you wouldn't pick me. I could feel it. I could feel it wafting off you that you were prepared. Yeah. Oh, no. So, Rachel, you got to do 60 seconds. <laughs> I can't read it. That's cheating. Uh, <laughs> Matt does. Yeah. He, he does? His, yeah, he Matt writes. just reads. What a the, chump. I know. No, I think he writes his own thing. Yeah, he reads. It. Oh, that's not your thing. No, this you is showing. the opening Well, this of will the be way cartoon. more comical because I'm very bad at this. Okay. <laughs> well, do your best. Here we go in three, two. One in the beginning, no. So the last Avatar is about the last the, Avatar. The last, well, I guess in a way. <laughs> this is true. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> the Last Airbender is about a chosen one who is able to control all the elements. There are different uh, elements: fire, wind, earth, and air. <laughs> so there are different people who control only one of the elements. Uh, there are some who can't, and the Avatar is the one who can control all of them and bring peace and balance to the world. Uh, in this movie, um, the Fire Nation rules the Earth. Uh, the the Avatar has gone into hiding in a way uh, for the past hundred years, and the Fire Nation has taken over uh, and doesn't want the Avatar to reign because they don't like connection to the spirit ro- world, which the Avatar has. Um, but that is very different from the show. So... <clears throat> There you go. At first I was worried about you, but then I was like, oh, yeah, this movie just is like, that's it. He's the Avatar. They help him do something. Yeah. And then it ends. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, Sari, give us a quick overview of the series. Oh, the series? Like, like like, what's the overall plot of the series and the character Aang? Sorry, Aang. I am never going to call him Aang. I hate it. It's so bad. Um, The overall plot of the series is basically like an extension of what Rachel described. There are four different nations, each of whom has a central element and a culture based around that. Right. So you Uh, have the Fire Nation, the Earth Nation, Water Nation, and Air Nation? Air, yeah. Those are the four. And within that, there are benders who can control the elements and non-benders who can't. And there is one person who gets reincarnated and reincarnated throughout different nations. So like one generation, it's going to be a waterbender, and the next it's going to be a firebender, and the next it's going to be an airbender, who's the avatar, who has control over all the elements and is supposed to have balance throughout the land. Right. The Fire Nation in the show uh, wanted to figure that they could rule the world better than having an avatar in balance. So they wiped out the airbenders because that was when the next uh, avatar where the next avatar was supposed to be reincarnated and then Aang was had fled the airbenders at that point got trapped in ice and a hundred years later he was rediscovered and so it's a hero's journey for Aang to learn bending because basically he's been on ice for a hundred years hasn't been training to save the world and so he's this child who has to take up this mantle of being mm-hmm. the hero. So each season's like him learning from a different teacher, a different element. And that's mm-hmm. why this movie started with like water. Book, book one. one. Book on one. Oh, and then that, that and you title laughed. card came up. I was like, oh, they're <laughs> planning things yeah, that will was really not sad. come true. No. <laughs> not, they weren't even planning a cinematic universe. They were just planning a sequel. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh-huh. How I think dare they? They were going to do like three, exactly like one a movie per season because he learns water. Right. And then he learns earth and then he learns fire mm-hmm. and then he battles the fire emperor and that's how it ends is he restores balance to the world by and everyone is telling him he needs to kill the fire emperor. This Whoa, is spoilers. Kind of- well, yeah, we're going to talk spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so this is spoiler for well, the show. No. I mean, like the okay. last season is him like grappling. Okay. Yeah, he's right. grappling with do. whether to kill the fire emperor okay. or not. Yeah. Anyway, but that, so the premise of the show is him growing as, uh, like growing up and very found family dynamics. With Your a favorite thing. My favorite thing. And he's surrounded by like incredibly dynamic, interesting friends. Like right. Sokka or Soka. I hate Sokka. <laughs> who's, who's like really goofy in the show, but he's also like the best tactician of all of them. He's a, a, the oldest. And really? Kind of like the yeah, most so- serious in a way. 
Like, well, the purpose of Sokka is that he is he's not any kind of bender. He but he is he's goofy, but at the same time he's smart when it comes to planning uh like battles and stuff like that. He's a good fighter and that's what he brings to the table. Uh so he's he's like the character who can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's draw it back to the movie real quick. So yeah. Sokka and Katara? Yeah. Yep. Are are the ones who find Aang mm-hmm. in yes. the ice. Yeah. And Sokka is absolutely worthless in this movie. Yes. One hundred percent. About three lines, but also so does everybody else. Yeah, so. that mm-hmm. that's a, also thing. So let's let's I'd like to give you my impression of this movie. I have no background with Avatar. I have very little background with animated series. This is a terrible movie. (laughs) Like this is an unapologetically badly written, badly directed, badly acted movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it infuriates me that this movie costs $150 million. Like it, it, they spent so much money on this and it looks pretty good most of the time. Like Mm -hmm. I think some of the effects are pretty good and, Mm -hmm. um, some of the fight scenes are okay. To be fair, I think some of the fight scenes and the wire work and stuff is pretty cool and like an old time kung fu movie kind of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would you make a live action version of this very fleshed out show? But I think once they started fighting and using the elements, it's kind of like, okay, I can kind of see why this would be interesting well, to somebody. I remember when this movie first came out, like before, because it was on Nickelodeon mm-hmm. and it was, it might have been... Like it might have came out right after the the show had ended. It came out right before the second season was over. Right after the second season ended. Okay, the third so season was while ended. I was watching Avatar on like Nickelodeon, they were promoting it and they were showing mm. like interviews with M Night and him talking about how the chore- choreographers were like talking about how they were planning. Oh, the Earthbenders, they stay low to the ground and like. They talked about like all these emphases on how these people would fight and all this backstory. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like there's a way that these people fight in a specific way. Boy, they really lost the forest through the trees, didn't they? Yeah. Like, they were just focused on all the wrong shit. But the show did that, too. The show was really like really interested in accurately portraying different martial arts sure but the show also was focused on main characters yes Mm -hmm. and that if you don't have that right then your fight scenes better be really spectacular and they should have had that because they had a show to draw yeah but yeah yeah. i think also when i was like after watching this movie for the second time and also wondering like did i actually walk out of this right because you stopped remembering anything i (laughs) I don't remember this like i either purposefully forgot it which is amazing that i can do uh, this new superpower you have. Yeah, because yeah. like... You can, you remember every single thing that ever happens in your life. Yeah, so, so, so uh, either that or I actually did walk out... I want to back up to something you said that we haven't talked about yet. And I think it's important to talk about. M. Night. Uh-huh. So this is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh-huh. And uh, me, Sam, and Rachel saw it together. We all watched this together at my place. And afterward, Rachel was going through M. Night's... IMDb mm-hmm. and yeah he's made a couple of films that aren't great but nothing that would alert me to the fact that he would make this 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like you were listing off, you're like Sixth Sense, great. Unbreakable, great. Mm-hmm. Um, Signs, great. The Village, pretty good. You know, like and all of these, even the ones, even like The Happening is still a good looking movie. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, it still functions. It's stupid and, you know, whatever. But I was not prepared for how bad a $150 million movie could be. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, Justice League level to yes. me. Like this yeah. is like unacceptable yes. in terms of screenwriting direction and action. While I was watching this movie, I was thinking, oh, how exciting would it be to have one of my favorite animated series be a live action movie? <laughs> but now, like after watching it, be like, not everything has to be an a live action. I don't want it. Like, take it back. Because <laughs> the series was just yeah. like such a perfect, yeah, like microcosm of this world that was built and so beautifully told. Leave it alone. Just Sarah, leave it alone. You look like you were about to say something. Oh, one thing that's interesting because I don't know movies super well, and so I don't have a lot of context for M Night Shyamalan. In general, but did you say I don't know movies well? I like I know stories. Okay. I don't know movies. If that makes sense, where it's like I don't know, like my my knowledge of movies is less than my knowledge of like all TV shows to oh, exist. Okay. Uh, okay. You're you have a very good understanding of just storytelling in in the general sense, and not mm-hmm. specifically film. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of film. Okay. I think. Like of media that I've consumed. I don't film. even know if watched. I would say you probably haven't studied. Yeah. Yeah, film in its in itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have. I've taken like a couple. I've thought least about film of a lot of kinds of media. Sure. I think. But anyway. Car- anyway. Um, I hardly recommend the Sixth Sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. It was really interesting reading how much he defended his choices in this adaptation, like. It seemed like the more criticism was directed his way towards because of this movie, whether it was casting choices and all the whitewashing that he did or the way that he chose to pronounce Ong and Soka in the movie or uh, the the fact that it was a shitty movie. He made an an excuse in an article that I was just reading that was like, I made it for nine and ten year olds. So like, (sighs) you can't expect to make a good movie. That is like my Biggest beef, because I watched the show when I was 18 years old, and Mm -hmm. I remember trying to explain it to people and be like, and people would be like, oh, what are you into lately? And trying to explain it to people and be like, oh, so it's like a kid's show? It's like, no, this is like, (laughs) like the best whole story you would ever watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's really ridiculous how much he was like defending all these bad choices instead of saying that. Maybe this movie could have been better. Maybe this movie shouldn't have been made or could have been made differently. And that phenomenon seems really interesting to me. I don't know why he would knuckle down instead of just saying like, yeah, I made some mistakes. Uh Well, I read an interview with him before the movie came out where he was talking about how in order to make the the story palatable to an older audience, he cut out the like the fart jokes and jokes for little kids. So oh, you better weird. stick to your story, I'm not Shyamalan. Yeah, hmm. they, these aren't lining up here. No. There's, uh, and I, I haven't studied M Night as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have heard that he's very combative with critics. Mm-hmm. 
Um, not yeah. physically, like, like, but some people are, but <laughs> not him. But he, like, he will, he, he sometimes has this attitude of, like, I made this movie to say, fuck the critics. Like you know? Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water. a critic in Lady in the Water. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it may just be a part of his personality that he doubles down. I will say that different people deal with the responsibilities of directing in different ways. And sometimes, you know, that is a position where you've got to go in and you've got to make choices and, and you got to stick to those choices when you're on set. Otherwise, you're going to end up with nothing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. but there are different ways to do that mm-hmm. um and maybe his is to double down on everything and he had enough success that it probably ingrained in his head that like no i made the right decision yes he had the most success at the very beginning of his career yeah, he, he, was blew, just like, cool. he blew it all in the beginning <laughs> yeah kind of did i, I he, it's like he came in on the high note and then every note after that just got flatter and flatter, flatter and, flatter. and flatter. Do you think yeah. it's just him dealing with a fantasy world that really threw him? Because all all of his other movies are based in the real world, right? I mean, maybe it's because there wasn't a twist at the end. God, the twist <laughs> is that it sucked. Yeah. It yeah. might have to do with a fantasy world. That's really interesting because, like, I feel like Avatar has one of the most intense, rich world building mm-hmm. of a lot of cartoons or like any sort of story. Mm-hmm. And so when he adapted it he was like okay i've got like a fictional asian cultures i don't know what to do with this so mm-hmm. here f- change the pronunciations make the fire nation indian like this works yes. yes okay so why did he change the pronunciations did he did you read about why uh i think he wanted them to be more authentic and I forget the exact phrasing because I, I read this article a long time ago, but he was like, this is how they would pronounce them in those cultures. We wouldn't say Ang. We would say Ong instead. Okay. And, really? That's and, fascinating. Well, then why did you pick a bunch of white people who play not yeah. white people? <laughs> and I don't know, like, that motivation to change the pronunciation seems really weird to me because he made the pronunciation sound more exotic and I feel like the initial showrunners did a lot of research too mm-hmm. and decided to pronounce these names in a certain way. Like they're fictional names. Aang was a choice and that mm-hmm. is the choice that they made in the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it became canonical and so the choice to make it the the way that I've expressed it before, it's like someone trying to pronounce my name weirdly, or it's trying to pronounce, or, or, or looking at you and going, "Oh no, actually, your name is pronounced sorry." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like, like pushing that on someone, yeah. being like, "No, you can't pronounce it Ang because that's wrong. You have to pronounce it Ong because right. that's the Asian way to do it," and that just rubs me the wrong way. Right. There's also a, a phoneticness to uh, character names, mm-hmm. in especially in uh, I would say in film because it's auditory. Um, I, I think, and I, you know, I'm not an expert on this, so it would be weird, but there is something to how a character's name sounds that is a big part of the character. Mm-hmm. And I think Ang is a very interesting and powerful sounding name and Ong is not as much. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, how culture works into that and how language works into that, I, I couldn't tell you, but it's an interesting thing to me that sometimes when you're creating a character, you can look at it and go, you know, and that's one of the benefits of fantasy is you can name it whatever fits the character. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, too. It's all fantasy. So I don't yeah. know what he's talking about, about more correct. Every one of these nations is like at least four or five different cultures yeah. meshed together, yeah. if not more. Yeah, there so, isn't a 
nation out there that can move rocks. Yeah. <laughs> clearly well, that's the, yeah, clearly that's. With their the, brain. I mean, I, oh, okay. <laughs> I can move a rock if you need a rock move. <laughs> not, not with my brain. Um, mm-hmm. I think also like the fact that they changed, it's, I feel like when it comes to this movie and the show and then looking back at other things that have like actual source material the fact that this show was already like fully formed and it's like why would you change it well what's even weirder is that this movie came out while the show was still airing exactly what it is is running concurrently if they made it like a decade later then maybe it'd be like oh okay Okay, reinvent it Mm -hmm. later fine but it's it's whether or not I like the choices, it's bizarre that those choices yes. were made. And instantly alienating, like a lot of the choices were, it would be instantly alienating to people going to the theater to see that movie. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm interested how Nick, in your perspective, because like the movie felt really lazy to me in the choices that they were mm-hmm. making, but that was also informed by having just watched the show right beforehand mm-hmm. and seeing the amount of thoughtfulness that went into that. Can you Did, be more specific? Um, like what? What do you want? W- w- lazy in which element? Like when you talk about character choices. and plot, mostly. Is oh what no, this I'm is totally on. fucking lazy. Yeah. This is one of the laziest, m- most vacant movies yeah, I've ever seen. That's why when we were watching it, I didn't want to be like, well, in the show, like I didn't want to say that as much because I wanted to hear. Like, yeah, your complete opinion based off of just watching the movie. Like, there are several different things, right? So if we look at my reaction to Aang, and I'm going to call him Aang. Yeah, please um, do. <laughs> I was very much like, and I think I even asked you guys a couple times, like, what does Aang want? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what he wants or what uh, Katara wants. I don't know what any of our heroes, what our protagonists, what our main characters want. The only characters who I know what they want are uh, the uh, Dev Patel. What is his name? Zuko. Zuko and his father Mm -hmm. and the general. Like, I know what the Fire Nation wants. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing they reveal that the Fire Nation wants kind of late in the film, and I'm like, okay, which is to kill the spirits. Yeah. Which is kind of like, what? To be fair, in the show, I feel like that also sort of pops up out of nowhere. Well, it could be, but in this movie, that didn't have anything to do with anything else. In the show, it pops up out of nowhere only because the whole, the rest of the show was, like, it didn't need to come up until the end because the rest of the show was building up who Aang was and who Katara and... They could have had a scene with the moon spirit earlier in the movie. Like the best villain ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to go further into that, Aang is trying to learn to waterbend. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell what his problem was. Like right. the, mm-hmm. the, the water would start to roil mm-hmm. and then he would stop. And I was not clear on, on either A, he couldn't do it or B, he didn't want to do it. Like, was he frightened? Right. I was I was incapable of understanding visually what was actually what was going through the character's uh, mind at and that I'm point. I'm not sure you see an example of someone waterbending well until like the, towards the end of the movie even. So, yeah. Well, until they get to the water. Yeah. The water. So you don't know uh, what you're even supposed to be looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, but still like the water starting to do stuff and I'm going, oh, OK, here we go. And then he stops. And I was just I was just as a director, your job is to help your actors communicate because mm-hmm. the whole thing, movies are communication. And I was not I didn't feel like I was being communicated to 
what I was supposed to understand. Mm-hmm. And I, you have Katara right there who like you could use as a character to co- contrast his waterbending with. They, they but had, she's not being used for anything. Mm-hmm. You know what she's being used for? Useless narration. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. was the other thing. Yeah, you've got her already doing narration. So then fine. Lean into it and have her say, I couldn't tell why Aang didn't want to do this, but he uh-huh. seemed to not want to actually waterbend or or whatever. Just give me some clue. But instead, so we arrived at the water kingdom and we <laughs> bowed before the king as they're <laughs> bowing before the king. Yeah. And it was like, why? Are, it's sloppy. It's lazy. The only thing like it's nicely shot. Andrew Lesney did a really good job of shooting this. Um uh-huh. I was thinking about that green screen scene in the beginning. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I, I the the compositing was not good. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but like you know, it's not an ugly film. No, they really Lord of the Rings did up towards the end of. But the movie. Andrew, but Andrew Lesney shot Lord yes, of the Rings, right? So that's why when he it told looks... me that. I was like, oh, oh. that is why they turned yeah. hel- it into Helm's Deep at the end. They did, yeah. which they and they were the like, wall, they had the boats uh-huh. and like, and it was weird because like every element that I liked, I kept telling Sam and Rachel. But, well, you know, I really like this element. And they're like, oh, you'll like the show then. Yeah. Because yeah. that is a like, I love the idea of he has to learn how to waterbend. And the only person to teach him is somebody who doesn't really know how to waterbend very well. Yeah. I thought that's a great idea. And I would love to watch that. Yeah. I think also watching it as like, so you're the perspective of not knowing the show. Yes. So you only know what you see in the movie. Right. I think also coming from the perspective of knowing the show, it being confusing because in the show, Katara is learning how to waterbend and the conflict between there's like a small conflict between them because Aang is so good at it so fast and she's still like right tagging behind kind of thing so like knowing that and then watching this movie and being like why is he saying like I can't do it (laughs) like why are you making this character this way it's unclear it's so Mm -hmm. unclear well like lazy yeah Yeah. so lazy (laughs) and just so confused I think that was the main thing even just trying to think of this movie in isolation from the show you cannot tra- track what Aang wanted no in in the film at all no not at all and he was just like conveniently cool so they could have a fight scene it mm-hmm. seemed like or conveniently weak so they could have a different fight scene yep. mm-hmm. it was like when they went into the earth nation village or something he like whipped off his robe and was like i am the avatar and i'm here to save you (laughs) and that is so asynchronous with his character in the show like the whole point is that he's supposed to be a reluctant child and really scared and really unsure of this responsibility and that would have been a cool arc to see in the movie and it would have made sense why him accepting this mantle as the avatar at the very end to summon up the tidal wave that would have been a, like a really memorable meaningful moment if he was mm. reluctant throughout the whole movie but instead it was like no you need to do some cool avatar shit right now so be really bold right now or get kidnapped by the fire nation earth or, nation you guys were really oh, awesome when i was alive you have earth right under your feet <laughs> and it like it's I, I describe this two ways. One, it feels like a movie which listening to M. Night Shyamalan talk sounds accurate. It feels like a movie that is confused about how to make a children's film that that borders on family film. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot in here that's really dark 
and like not not subverse not not dark in an under the current kind of way like or he's walking through the boneyard yeah is really dark and frightening mm-hmm. and and not not something i would really think i mean i wouldn't have a problem with it but I, I would be surprised that like that's going into a kid's film right but all of the dialogue especially from ang but all of the dialogue in general is very much children's film. It's yeah. a kid's film, not a family film, a kid's film. Yeah. And like the the most like talk down to kids type of kids film. Too. Yeah. It's like it's like the lines underneath a picture in a picture book. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. for Aang. And it was and every time it happened, which led me to believe or led me to feel that my my big takeaway from this is it felt like a like a a 1960s or 70s kung fu film yeah that it had been translated and when you said that i was kind of like for a little bit of the movie i was kind of like maybe that is what they're going for because it feels that and way it right kind of works in that respect i would not every, give them that much no credit. just every now and then it almost works in that respect yeah like when he goes to the air temple or kind of when he's fighting with the blue spirit there's little parts where it's like maybe you are trying to make some kind of like exploitation kung fu film for some reason but I don't think he meant to. I don't think he meant to. It's yeah. just bad. But yeah. that's what it feels like because they'll, they'll have someone pop up and say a line of dialogue. And I'm like, if this were in a subtitle or badly dubbed, mm-hmm. I would buy it more. Mm-hmm. Because then I would be I would be giving it the benefit of the doubt of like saying, well, it's a bad translation and it's a kung fu film. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, let's just have fun with it. But it, it it's so weird in the context of it being an English language film. Mm-hmm. That all of this dialogue is so simple, telling you what you're seeing, yeah, not giving us any insight into any characters, especially in a TV show that like really made its name by being kind of teen based and having really complicated characters, yeah, and having really complicated storylines and like communicating it all beautifully, right? Yeah. Well, and I will say this: I mean, this has not dissuaded me from seeing Avatar. I'd like yeah. to actually see it now because the elements that I liked about this that went nowhere that they Mm -hmm. didn't really do anything with or that just fell apart. I understand are very prevalent in Mm -hmm. the show. And so I'm excited about that, but yeah, good God, what a colossal fuck up this movie is. (laughs) I can't believe how bad it is. It sucked the life out of me. I had absolutely no fun watching this movie. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like. I just had fun at our reactions. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times they were. Because now I'd like to move on to talking about whitewashing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I I knew it was coming because I had talked to Nicole and a little bit Sari about, you know, the fact that it is that happens in here. And I'm used to Hollywood doing that. What I was not prepared for was okay <laughs> so you start off and the first characters you see are Katara and Soka mm-hmm. is it Sokka? Sokka. It's Sokka Sokka but in the show in the Proper movie it's Sokka no, it's Sokka I <laughs> yeah. want to pronounce it right I don't think he deserves to be a Sokka he might be so yeah, yeah he's be, not good, good enough yeah. he's he can't really, taint Sokka's mm, name he's really worthless yeah, yeah okay. he's from Twilight oh yeah. no um, so they're the first two you meet, and they are the whitest white people that have ever whited. They are white. <laughs> and white. White. <laughs> cool whip. Um, they, and I'm like, okay, here are our white heroes. Fine. But then they go back to their village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is where it gets 
inexplicable to me. Yeah. The rest of the village is not white. No. Mm-hmm. Their grandma is white. Their grandma, <laughs> yeah, their family is the only white family. <laughs> Everybody else, else is, is like Inuk. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. is it Inuit or Inuk? I, I think it's Inuk. Yeah. I, I don't know. If I'm wrong about that, somebody tell me on Twitter. Yeah. I apologize. I don't, um, but they are a water nation. Yeah. 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 It's like that stunned me. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, wait, what? And the part of my brain that was gonna forgive it for being Hollywood casting and just being dumb suddenly just died and went, <laughs> oh no. Went like, oh no, well, okay, this was an intentional weird choice. No, just the heroes yeah. are gonna be white people. Yes. Which is so weird because so weird. M. Night is not white. No. The rest of the characters were not ro- white. Well, uh, Aang was. I'm like the core yeah, right. characters, right. like the core Aang, Sokka, bleh, Katara, Katara. Yeah. Um, they were all white, and everybody else wasn't. Right, which was very weird, mm-hmm. and I just don't understand. I don't understand what happened. Now, Sari, do you? Were you prepared for the whitewashing? Yes, because well. I had read about this. This was okay. the big. This was like the era where I was very involved. I don't know. I was always involved in the internet, but without knowing the show at all, I knew that this was like a big thing among fandoms. Back when it was coming out, when oh, it was yeah, coming I out, the fans were yeah. irate. This was like one of the first movies that an Asian there. American fan site boycotted, mm-hmm. and like it, everything. I think it. Nicole said a fun fact. Uh, sad fun fact that this movie uh, inspired the term race spending in fan communities because oh. because they cast white pe- they whitewashed it. This is when fan community like they always cast fan casted different races and different characters. Mm-hmm. I'm not describing them all. Um, fan communities would take a piece of work and then say, okay, if I could race spend this into something else um if i could cast it with all chinese actors who would i cast as like simba and everyone Mm -hmm. was that kind of like uh hamilton kind of yes okay where it's like yeah if i could adapt a white cast like all of into the woods with all of a different ethnicity just so clear, i know very little about hamilton so yeah (laughs) yeah but like intentionally casting people of color in otherwise white roles yeah yeah yeah. you really put into the woods on blast just now yeah (laughs) you destroyed them (laughs) get wrecked yeah um (laughs) but by sari riley this is the first time that race spend was used to describe that because so many people were like here's my headcanon cast of actually asian american actors in this film and because of like airbending waterbending firebending race bending became the term for it mm-hmm. i think that's kind of cool yeah that is of like cool. something so horrible it was like fandom came together uh-huh. and we're like i'm so mad about this but <laughs> we're gonna take that yeah we're gonna appropriate it we're gonna reclaim it but what was he th- what was he doing did you read anything about what he was doing i have no idea what he was doing i He's did not read that a tool bag yeah you're just being a jerk probably yeah jerk or an idiot or like why yeah. would you do like whoa betrayer that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think i wish i had actually like redone the research i think <laughs> The person who was playing Zuko was originally white too, yeah, but then dropped out. It was out. Jesse McCartney. Oh yeah, Paul McCartney something, right? What? I have the no idea who this Jesse, is. Jesse, 
I'll look it up. Continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was originally white, too, yeah. and then dropped out. So the only reason why the Fire Nation is Indian is because the white actor dropped out. And then they cast Dev Patel, who is doing the best he can with the role he was given. But then you have all this colorism added in, too, where it's yeah. like, let's make the brown people the enemy. Ah! Yeah, which is uh, pretty much the exact opposite of the cartoon, yeah. where, where Sokka and Katara are much browner than anybody else mm-hmm. in the cast. Yeah. It's, it like, normally, correct me if I'm wrong, Sari, mm-hmm. but I feel like normally in stories, you have to squint just a little bit to be able to see the white savior. At least a little bit. You have to be able to go, oh, wait a second. Oh, crap, this is white savior. Mm-hmm. This is white savior just painted across the sky like we have our three white characters who are on a mission to go and first they go and the earthbenders are all look uh um of asian descent Mm -hmm. and then you have the firebenders who are the uh the bad guys who are all indian Mm -hmm. and but but our three white heroes until you get to the um the water kingdom and they're so white their hair's white like it's 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 absolutely oh, yeah. staggering, like right in your face. I think usually the way I think what is so jarring about this is what you described your experience watching Katara and Sokka walk back to their village and being like, wait, they're the only white people <laughs> in this village. Usually the white savior trope comes in. And I'm sure Rachel can weigh in on this, too. It's where it's like a white man like like Avatar, the James Cameron movie uh-huh. comes into. Oh, crap. An uncivilized <laughs> less civilized quote-unquote civilization coded as non-white and is like hello i'm going to do the things that you're doing but better uh and or the direct announce like the direct imagery in another truly awful movie uh superman versus batman when superman Mm. flies into that one mexico city mexico city And then they're all they all put his hands on him like as if he's some sort of god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, And this yeah. is the thing like you could do that in New York. You could do that same thing in New York with a, a group of mixed race like you would have in New York mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be one thing but to take it to Mexico City. Yeah. I don't want to spend my time kicking Batman and Superman but it is truly terrible. <laughs> But that right. So you have the, the this visual metaphor of not only is this character, the male, white, heterosexual character, um, you know, a, a physical savior, but also now is a metaphor of God and a metaphor of everything that is good and pure in the world to these brown people. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, in Avatar, it's the James Cameron film avatar it's the bring (laughs) the you know i'm gonna i'm I'm bringing the the military smarts and i'll be able to help you outsmart them what a fucking weird movie that was remember how avatar just side note remember how avatar came out and and then also how train your dragon came out and they were the same exact story and how train your dragon (laughs) was a way better movie than avatar how to train your dragon has one of the best scenes of any like movie which part? I've ever seen where it's called, uh, I know because on the soundtrack it's called Test Drive. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's where he first designs the fin. Oh, the, montage. The, the, well, it's that, but then when he actually gets it all to work, and I think he, I think the saddle falls off. 
Mm-hmm. And he's about to crash, and then he just finally pulls it all together, and it is exquisite. Hmm. Like it just from a pure cinema storytelling standpoint, that is an exquisite moment. I find kind of the rest of the movie a little bit forgettable, but but not bad. But like, what a moment! Like yeah. that is an incredible moment, and the music is so good. <laughs> anyway, side, side notes. notes. <laughs> <laughs> And th- um, this has yeah, been side notes. Circling back to what Sari is saying um, on the white savior thing. Yeah, this one is just truly awful. And it's continue. Oh, no, I just thought of another thing. That's it's not there are just so many bad tropes in this. There's also like one of the scenes that annoys me the most that was adapted weirdly. And another weird choice is when Yue, who's the moon princess in the water, northern water tribe, (laughs) in the show, she chooses to sacrifice herself. Like, the moon spirit has been killed by the Fire Nation. She makes the choice. She has agency to be like, hello, I was given life by the moon. I'm going to give my life back to the moon. And it's a really beautiful moment. Mm Mm-hmm. In the movie, Iroh has to walk in and tell her to do that. It's like, no, no. You have to give, you have to give your life. Give your life away. Let me explain how you to have give a your chance. Life. Yeah. Let me, a man, explain to you a oh. woman. So so by doing that, they A, destroy her agency and B, destroy Uncle as a character because Uncle is like not that kind of character in the show. He's just like... He's endearing and he's so a part of like, he wants to be a part of like the spirit world, like whole idea of it and like respects all of that. But like in the show, he's just nothing. In the movie, he's just nothing. I mean, I mean the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was all very bizarre to me because have any of you played Final Fantasy VII? Um, I watched somebody play it when I was little. I watched cool. my dad play it. Yeah. Well, there's a moment in Final Fantasy VII that looks like they're it looks like they're paying homage to in this with that scene, um, where one of your characters surprisingly and like in the game I was like surprised that one of your main characters dies, uh-huh. like a character that you use in your team, she dies, and then they they put her into the to the this underground lake, and there's this sad music, and I remember I was in college and I was like. <laughs> but she, it was like the same shots and everything here and the music was swelling and everything and it was just like well that's weird but more than that like weird choices one for uncle to be giving that speech it felt weird even though i didn't know anything about them it was like this did is show him making his way to that place at all or did he just pop up the no no he i think he had a he had yeah because he was there to try to prevent the general from Right. No, he was but, just there to help um, okay. Zuko, I think. Okay. Well, yeah, he was there to help Zuko, but in that specific cave, pl- cave, I think he had gone with the general or followed the oh, general. Right. To, the general had been there. Yeah. I forgot right. about that. Yeah. yeah. And then the queen or the princess has this little conversation with Soka, mm-hmm. which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like they're supposed to, how long is he supposed to have been there? It feels like they've been there overnight. Yes. But in the movie, it says a couple weeks. So much time is supposedly passing during Mm -hmm. this film of them jumping around and having time to develop these skills, but it's all compressed. It's like months and months and months, I think. Yeah. And it feels like it's been about a week for everything. Yep. 
Because the no, characters aren't any closer. They never talk to each other. They never yeah. talk to each other. That's <laughs> yeah. a big thing. The characters never talk to each other. Uh-huh. They talk at each other. Uh-huh. They sort of throw lines into the wind in the general direction of other characters. Uh-huh. And the lines don't have anything to do with anything except the literal thing that is happening. Yeah, yeah I think the, the, the most obvious point at which that happens where you realize, oh, they don't talk to each other or interact was when... Um, Katara is trying to quote unquote protect Aang in the underground water spirit thingy. And then Zuko comes and like fights her. And then, and then uh, Sokka comes and is like, What are you doing down here? And then she's like, I fought Zuko. And then I shout, Who? <laughs> <laughs> because. Sokka doesn't know who Zuko is because they never interact in the sh- movie. Yeah. And At all. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's, it was an experience. I. Very terrible experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm always very sad to see money thrown at something like this. Uh-huh. And I don't like to channel that directly at one person but look m night has his name on the writing and directing credits and has defended this movie so therefore i have to say this is m night's fault mm-hmm. like M-Night, you you are bad you fucked this <laughs> up like <laughs> this is this is not as a person who did not watch the show this is just a bad movie mm-hmm. it is not well made it is not well written it is not well directed and m night is a good writer and a good director especially with kids mm-hmm. Like, that's his bread and butter. He works really well with kids Mm -hmm. and gets wonderful performances out of them. And the kids in this movie were god-awful. Yeah, very, very bad. And you Mm -hmm. have to blame the director for that. Yeah. Like, that is not a problem with a child actor. That means either A, your casting director and you did a bad job, or B, you did a bad job. Mm -hmm. Like, on set. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, those are the only two options. Mm -hmm. You cast poorly or you directed poorly. When you're dealing with children, when you're dealing with child actors Mm -hmm. and oh, God, just so I was just I'm the more I think about it, the more angry I get. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with the source material. Right. Nick, I've been carrying this anger for the past like (laughs) 10 years. It's been nine. It has been almost 10, almost a decade. It takes something that's so full and adapted it into something that's so empty. It's empty. Like, it's... characters are empty. The story is empty. Everything is just devoid of feeling. And then there's really cool CG water sometimes. And that's it. Kind of. Is it really cool? I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. It's it all, right. all right. Yeah. That's true. I'm Again. not giving this movie any credit <laughs> that's true so i mean i again i like some effects i like the effects of of his, his tattoo and everything lighting up and his eyes lighting up like i thought oh that looks cool but i yeah. mean that's it that's all i've got i can say oh that looked kind of cool uh-huh. but it just at every turn just did something stupid or morally questionable mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Well, how like <laughs> How do you how do you fuck something? And I asked the same question of Justice League. How do you fuck something up like this so badly? What do you have any idea of what it is? Is it just trying to make something too adult that is not adult? Or is it trying to like strip some kind of fun out of it that you perceive as juvenile? I think that's a good question to ask everybody. I'll start. 
like what is the problem with this movie mm-hmm. in at its heart to me it's a screenplay problem mm-hmm. like at the heart it is the problem of it's not trying to actually tell character stories mm-hmm. that i think is the biggest problem with this movie mm-hmm. um and especially when you talk to people about the show it seems like the show is all about characters mm-hmm at the heart of this is that there is no heart. Like this show made me mm. laugh and cry and every emotion in between. And all the characters have the most interesting story arcs and you see these characters grow and there is literally none of that in this movie. And I almost feel like M. Night didn't even watch the show. Like I almost felt like maybe he just read the scripts or something like that. And if that, and like, I don't understand how you can take something so good and just (laughs) poop out this steaming hot pile of piece of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I did just read a thing, a quote of his, where he referred to the cartoon continuously as anime. So I feel like maybe he didn't watch the show and had like a very fundamental misunderstanding of what he was making. I'd also like to ask like what happened with nickelodeon like yeah because i feel like nickelodeon movies are like at least wacky in some sort of sense and it's like they're just like all right it's m9 we got a big time director let's do it and And then it might have been what he negotiated for yeah Yeah. it's like i'll do this if you know yeah uh oh (laughs) <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, I forgot what I was gonna say, and I was like, "Do I have something to follow up with that?" I don't. Um, oh, okay. The the thing that I think is bad about it is that it is the laziest adaptation I could ever imagine. Where it looks like like it is the wrong way to go about an adaptation. Where it feels like he lifted exact scenes from the show and was like, "I'm gonna cut this, cut this, cut this, paste them together mm-hmm. to make." a one and a half hour, two hour thing. And then lifted out, and then the the choices that he made to change were character related, emptying them out, whitewashing things, changing the Fire Nation to be Indian around Dev Patel, which strips away the culture that they added to the Fire Nation in the show, which is like very Japanese and Chinese influenced. Mm-hmm. So like the idea of honor really important in the show, not important in the movie, or, like, confusing in the movie. And so it felt like mushing together puzzle pieces that didn't quite fit under, or, like, in order to make an adaptation instead of, like, cleverly and thoughtfully and lovingly making it. Mm -hmm. It was like, to make it an adaptation, I've got to steal the chunks of plot, and that's what's going to make people know that it's Avatar. This yeah. is very similar to what we talked about with Batman Superman. Yes, I'm thinking about that a lot because when I was talking about, that's not what Batman would do, that's not what Batman would do, and Nicole was like, no, you can't, you're not allowed to just say that. Mm-hmm. I think, is I've been thinking about it ever since then, and I tried to bring it up in Mortal Kombat, but I didn't find a good place to do it, that I think what I think of as a good adaptation is one that does not make me feel embarrassed like it does not tell me that the thing that I liked originally was stupid. And I feel like Batman versus Superman tells you Superman is stupid. He's a big mean oaf. Mm-hmm. Batman is stupid. He's like a jerk. He's also really a big just mean beats oaf. beats people up and he's a big yeah. mean oaf. And I feel like this movie says 
Avatar is stupid. It's full of jokes. Here's a version of it that we took all the jokes out of so that a grown-up can watch it. You're not a little baby. You can't watch cartoons anymore. That's how I felt this movie was talking to me. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I do agree with Nicole's broader point that an adaption is not bad just because it does not stick to the source material. Right. It, the, the, I, I, even though I do buckle under some things like that, because I want to see a Batman movie that's about fucking Batman, not, yeah. not about some serial murderer. Yeah. But at that same time, if Batman Superman had been really engaging and fun and exciting, then I probably would have not cared as much. Right. Batman kills people in the 80s Batman movies, but there's but those there's are more fun supplemental things that make those enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. So and here I am no attachment to the source material. And this is terrible. Mm-hmm. It does not tell a good story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it's got laughable dialogue. What little dialogue there is, is is laughable and weird and feels like a badly translated from you know kung fu theater in the 60s mm-hmm. like that's unacceptable mm-hmm. yeah. um like this movie if you started from scratch maybe would have been better than if it was pitched as an adaptation of the the avatar the last airbender because mm. it almost felt like he was like i guess i'll have to keep something from the show <laughs> so let's hit these plot beats and yes but he wanted to change everything else about it i don't know it just everything about this annoys me. I mean, and this is so unthoughtful. This makes it really hard for me to move into the next section, which is how would we fix it? Because I feel like everything's wrong. Like there's nothing about this movie, not the cast, not I'll start, but, but like, I, I think you have to burn this down. Mm-hmm. Like there, I don't feel like there is a salvation to this yeah. m- movie. Like, I think you just go back to the cartoon. Like this is, this is an unthoughtful adaptation of a loved thing Mm -hmm. and none of it works i think also like as i was forming that opinion like oh sometimes you just don't have to (laughs) yeah like do a remake of a live action as i was forming that opinion my first thought was like this would be better if like Netflix took care of it and was like, did like an eight part series of a life. And then I was, as I was saying that in my head, I was like, wait, it's already a show (laughs) and it's already perfect. Why? I think to fix this, it just needs to be erased from history. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I don't disagree with you. There is nothing of value here. In yeah. my opinion, I, there's, I would, I think there's more to va- more of value in something like Manos or Troll Two, <gasps> or things, or things. I would, I <laughs> yeah. would say, that I think there is more value in something like things. Yeah, me too. Because you, because I can agree with you there that I'm like, oh, they had the can do and they tried. They went you out know. to that trailer and did something. They tried something and they didn't <laughs> yeah. know what they were doing. Yeah. M Night Shyamalan knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The crew that worked on this know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'd burn it down. I'd fucking burn it down. I think burn Rachel Rachel would burn it down. She would Sam? delete it from burn history. It down. Yeah, there's not. They. I mean, he said he made it for his kids, and I bet his kids were so fucking mad at him when he was done with this movie. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> present like, ever. Yeah, thanks, Dad, for ruining this and making everybody mad at you and us by ex- <laughs> by extension. 
maybe it's not an excuse yeah, either. you never have, go back to school ever again yeah, maybe you have his kids read the script or i don't know i don't think there's anything that you can do to make it good at all it's already something perfect don't make it in the first place there's no point in even trying to fix it there's like there was a theatrically released avatar cartoon movie that was way better and it was just like another part of the show so just go see that instead don't make this siri yeah i agree it's just this is something that was so perfect. The story was so perfectly paced, so perfectly animated, so perfectly like fit the medium it was created in. Appa's creepy in the movie. He's oh, cute God. in the God. show. He's so cute in the show, and he has a little man face in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Like, huh? Who are we talking about? Appa, the big, big bison. We don't even know guy. his his name. No, I had no and idea. He's, he's such, the last of the sky bison, so he's very cute and important. There's yeah. a whole story arc for Appa also yeah. in the show. He's but, kidnapped. It's very sad. Yes. Yeah. Well, I remember when he when he flew down, landed, and then screamed at them. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's horrified. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so like everything from the characters to the humor to the like the martial arts and like fits an animated show so well they pitched a great animated show so like ripping away the animated part rips away what this story was like the medium this story was designed for sure and Um, i mean you know i guess one addendum i'll make is i think the biggest weirdest thing is that the show was still on when this was coming out so you know i'm also a big believer in let's adapt something after we've had a while to think about it Mm -hmm. after we've had after society's had a while to digest it Mm -hmm. um i I get it sometimes you want to strike while the iron's hot and something's you know big but give it a chance and it's one of the reasons i um i get upset when they you know with sony when they did spider-man reboot Uh, well two years later spider-man reboot Uh, two years spider-man reboot Uh it's like let the other one settle for just let the dust settle for just a little bit well on the other hand you can never have too much (laughs) spider-man i think you can but like i think How much more impressive would Homecoming have been if we hadn't had a Spider-Man since that disastrous Spider-Man 3? Yeah. You know? I I don't know. That was very impressive. I think maybe the the reason why it might have been impressive was because they're riding on the fact that people had just watched Spider-Man not that long ago. And so they didn't have to go back on an origin story. I guess so. I mean, they kind of covered it in Civil War. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. But, but like, I, I, I think you could, you know, do a live action uh, Last Airbender. I think the I fight have, scenes I, are proof, yeah. Yeah, that you could fight do scenes it. are proof, but I don't, I'm not walking back on this. I, I have thought about it, and I think the way to do it is to do what Nicole talks about with adaptations, and I don't want to, like, misquote her or anything, but you just, like, got astray from the source material because you can't try and mush the show into a movie, you have to take elements from it and be like, okay, I want to use certain story pieces of the show and create a movie based on it. So I want it to take place in a world where there are four elements and benders and where an avatar is at the center of the story. Mm -hmm. I don't think, like... In my opinion, if you if I was trying to make this movie and having Aang at the center and trying to make people care about him and Zuko, Mm -hmm. like make Katara and Sokka less relevant or like change their roles in the movie from what they were in the show. So like only use Katara as a waterbending foil to Aang. So like to show either the progress he's making or the progress he's not making. Use Sokka as comic relief 
and just really hone in on Aang's storyline of being reluctant to be the Avatar and then accumulating to the moment where he finally accepts the mantle, is able to waterbend, saves a tribe. Mm -hmm. And like have that be his arc in the movie and just structure the entire story around that. Yes. And forget about the plot points that were hit in the first season of the show altogether and just be like, build the story around this character of Aang that you want to exist in this movie realm. Instead of a weird left turn into a love story that was not set up at all for the Mm -hmm. last third of the movie. See, I'm not sure if I agree with that because Avatar is so much about its characters. Like the whole storyline about, which was one of like the things that made me the most mad in this movie was when Aang tells Zuko, uh, we could have been friends at the completely wrong time because like when he saves uh, Zuko from being shot by all the arrows when he was being saved by Zuko, uh, he has this whole conversation to him while he's like asleep about how back when a hundred years ago, he was like friends with Fire Nation people and like the reluctant hero against the villain turned hero is one of my favorite storylines. And I think that Avatar is so much about that kind of storyline and the characters that follow along with it, that it just, it's too much for a movie. So I don't, I just don't think that this show can be adapted into a movie period. I, I'm not gonna I'm, I'm gonna slightly disagree because they said that about Lord of the Rings too they said I think you find the right person who has a really good take on it could do something interesting I don't know what that is and I don't know if it's necessarily possible but I would I would love to see another try at it years down the road but not like Obviously not this version. My my thing with burning into the ground is like uh, this version. There's nothing salvageable about this version. It is an absolute train wreck. But I don't think people. I don't. I, I don't think people should not adapt things because it seems difficult. I think that you get a good right. I mean, I would never have thought in a million years we'd be sitting down to watch Infinity War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like honestly, I never thought that would happen. When Thanos turned around at the end of Avengers, I thought, well, that's cute, but they're never going to do that arc. That's it it encompasses so much, but they took things out, right? They yeah. took elements out that really fit and made it work. Something like that could be possible. But it's not yeah, something that the, you can do while the show is running. But also think. they had the mm-hmm. benefit yeah. of 20 movies basically. Right. Well, like, I'm not saying they would do the exact thing. Right. Like, but that's what I'm saying. It took 10, 15, how, I don't know, how long has it been? Right. But you're agreeing with both of them. You're just saying it. I'm not agreeing. I'm saying that they had the benefit of having a million movies well, yeah, to but... portray all this. And I don't think that there are the people and the resources who want to put the resources in Avatar. Because in the end, I think that some people will look back and be like, oh, Avatar is a kid movie or a kid show. Right. I think we're we're on a spectrum here. And that is never, <laughs> never say never. And here's a possible roadmap. I think mm-hmm. like I'm usually not so staunchly like <laughs> I'm always like, give it a give it a chance kind of thing. But and I don't know if it's because of the love that I have for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will give it that. 
But for this one, I just, I just want to say, like, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Just leave it alone. I think that's fair. And I think from the same place, like the love that the new love that I have for this show, it's like I would love for like some Asian American director to come out with a really good idea who mm-hmm. also has a lot of love for the show yeah. and just like do such a loving, interesting take of an adaptation that strips it down in interesting ways mm-hmm. and like focuses on different, uh, like the same character, the same core character, but different than the show did. Mm-hmm. Um That's fair. And that's like, I totally respect your opinion of like, leave it alone too. <laughs> Well, I think then this moves us into the territory of what we would rate this thing. I rate all of these films that we do here on a category categorical scale, like Storms. A one is not too bad, maybe even a little pleasant, and a five could kill you. It's weird because some of the technical stuff in here was actually quite good. Like the camera work was good. I remember the fight scene between, um, I can never remember his name, Dev Patel. Zuko. Prince Zuko. Zuko. Mm-hmm. Um, between Zuko and Aang in the little room, even though I don't necessarily think the fight scene was that great, the camera work in it was really good. Is that when he's in the boat at the beginning of the movie? No, 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 no. no. The first time he escapes or the second time oh, he escapes? Oh, when they're in the water jug room? Yeah, in the oh, water yeah. jug room. Right. Oh, okay. yeah. none of the time where he escapes. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's like the camera work in there. Like I was watching, I was going, God, this really, whoever was a camera operator on here did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And so there's- <laughs> probably so excited. <laughs> but like, so, but I'm going to go with a four. Like, it's embarrassing. This should not have happened. Mm-hmm. So. What'd you give um, Justice League? Or is Batman versus Superman? I'd have to go back and listen. I feel like Batman Superman was a four. Okay. Because I did have entertaining moments. Okay. Like I like the Batmobile chase. Okay. Even though he's machine gunning people. <laughs> but I still I still think it's like, that's fun. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Justice League maybe was a four. Also, Justice League might. It was a four or five. They're both. I, yeah. I need to go back and listen. I, I, I We haven't been talking about it too much. So. Justice, I think Justice League and this are very similar experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, from like early on in the film, there's that moment. And in Justice League, it was the Superman smile on the cell phone. <laughs> That's the first two seconds. The of first the two movie. seconds of the movie where you go, whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then this one with the, uh, the it was a one, two punch. There was the one punch of the bad green screen. Yeah. Followed up by why are these two white people? Yeah. In this, the only two white people in this village. And don't touch that orb. Uh, don't touch that orb. <laughs> and then she touches the orb and then there's nothing like it. It's... And he smashes the ground underneath him. Oh, and then God. He's like, oh, no, the ground's caving in. Yeah. You, idiot. you, you smashed did, the ground. You smashed the ground. <laughs> Stupid. So like, but it, I find them to be very analogous. Mm-hmm. Like incomprehensible. They have the similar level of incomprehensibility. Also. Yeah. And I can give Justice League the benefit of the doubt because of the change in directors yeah. and and like all kind of the mustache and yeah. like like there were there was a whole lot there going on that I can I can at least be like, wow, you know, everybody had an uphill battle with this uh-huh. um, and they didn't do a good job. But here it seems like M. Night was just given everything he wanted. Yeah. And he fucked it all up. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is a worse movie. But I'm still going to give it a four because the technical craft at times was 
impressive. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Sari? I thought I was going to use my worst rating on Catwoman, but like, <laughs> I can't go beyond that now. So my rating system is a construct. It is if I could take every copy of this movie and like throw it into a trash can, because sometimes there's good trash that you want to recycle, and sometimes there's bad trash where you want to like burn it all to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I said I would launch Catwoman into the sun, and I can't get more extreme than that. You could go back in time and erase it from history. Yeah, I think that might you be it. send it yeah. to Uranus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Just, uh... Rachel. <laughs> like, in a fiery... I guess that like, you set it on fire first, and then you launch it into space, and then it, like... So it's more burned? Explodes. So it's I more burned? black hole is worse than the sun. Ooh. Uh, but, yeah, that's true. No, but a black hole is... Might just spit like out hanging. somewhere else. Yeah, oh, it might shoot. spit out somewhere else, or... But it's also like hanging in limbo until it's completely sucked into. So we have to see it. You make it eternal in a black hole. No. It's It's always watching us. Yes. (laughs) And it maybe becomes the seed of a new universe. Ah! 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 Don't put it in a black hole, please. (laughs) Sorry, Abby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it just needs to be as destroyed as possible. So like maybe into like a collapsing star. Like the sun is burning out. It's about to explode Uh and and then launch it in and be like, sorry, it's extra gone. You're for total annihilation. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, make a, a reference that probably only people who watch Timeless will, will get. NBC cancels your Timeless. No, honest. don't cancel it. <laughs> okay. uh, so th- I will have Lucy go back in time and so carelessly be like, oops, M. Night Shyamalan didn't do the project. Because in that show, they go back in time and carelessly change history very easily. Mm. So, very good show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so Neutron Star. Well, yeah. wait, is yours what kind of trash it is and what receptacle you would put it in? It's or like, is it just the receptacle? Just the receptacle. Oh, I thought it was what kind of trash it was, too. No. Okay. So like I count like a recycling bin or like a goodwill donation. Like if I yeah. if I see a particularly good movie, which I haven't yet on the podcast, I'd be like, no, donate it. So like someone will find it. Yeah. And well, like you haven't watched mouth. Super Mario Brothers, Harry. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> I feel like even your mouth could be a trash can of sorts to be like, it's cake. I'm gonna eat it's it. Cake, it's old cake, and I'll put it in my mouth trash. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but that's not this movie. No. 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 That's just hypothetically. If I had your system. Yeah. Yours is the funnest one. I think. <laughs> I was inspired by your toilet, and then I went, like, mm-hmm. two levels more abstract. My toilet's so much worse than yours, though. <laughs> I like the toilet. I like the toilet, Well, too. anyway, I would flush the toilet. and Mine's the European toilet system. There's one flush for pee and one big flush for poop. I just flush it as many times as you'd need to to get it down, which I feel would be a lot. But I never want to see this movie's face ever again. I want it to be in the sewer where it belongs. This was sincerely one of my least favorite movie experiences of my entire life yeah it's mm-hmm. it's no good it was just nothing washed over me as nothing the only emotion that it, it stirred up in me was just based on how much i hated it compared to the other the the, the tv show yeah so if it was not if i saw it without seeing the tv show it would just be like nothing at all except i would flush it down the toilet a lot. flush it <laughs> yeah that's fair. It. Rachel. Uh, so my grading system is very boring. I should have thought of a cooler one when I first came on here. But... Next time you're on, think of a new one. Okay. Well, mine is um, similar to how we do it on Sam and I podcast. Uh, but instead of uh, A being a really good movie 
A is like a bad movie, but like it's like not that big of an offender. Um, Maybe enjoyable. Yeah, like enjoyable, and like you tweak like a couple things here and there, and then voila, it's an a okay movie. This is not an A. <laughs> <laughs> F being why the fuck was this made? And I thought that Superman. Batman Superman? Batman Superman was there, but and I graded it as an F. I'm going to grade this an F minus, which doesn't even exist. (laughs) So, you know, you can have different levels of F too, because there's a lot of that 50%. You can get a zero or a 50. Yeah, this is. Which is is, stupid, um, but. It's very strange and sad. This Mm is 0.5%. Wow. Why is it half? good enough to pass. <laughs> That's what I always wondered when I was getting F's in school. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. School well, system's messed up. That's, That's why, really dumb. That's why Unless you go to, go to art school, school and you just yeah. get... You just get nice thoughts. Pass no fast. <laughs> you get a lot of stickers. You get some stickers. We get stickers. We could have if we asked for them, I think. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, now we need to move on to a section of this podcast called Real Good, where we uh, recommend something to you that is real good. And I have to admit, I struggled with this, so I'm going to listen to everybody else first. Cheater. So Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is what happens when you run the podcast. <laughs> you can do whatever you yeah, want. It is. Um, Sam, I'd like you to go first. What is your real good for today to help get the taste of Last Airbender out of our audience's mouths? My real good is, well... Blanket, watch the, the TV show. Right, that's for everybody. Yeah. Yes. But uh, I'm going to go do that at some point soon. The Netflix Voltron show oh. is produced by one of the guys who produced the cartoon and then co- and then also produced by somebody who came on for Legend of Korra, which is the sequel. And it's like. And Guillermo del Toro. Mm, that's Troll Hunter. Is Guillermo del Toro? No, I think he does. Voltron 2? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, if I'm wrong probably. about that, people let me know, but I'm pretty sure. Yell at him on Twitter if he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. But it's like, it reminds me of Star Trek in that it is very boring sometimes. And it's <laughs> great to have on while you're vacuuming or something. But it's also like weaves this weird world with all these weird cart- like all these weird characters who pop up over and over again. The action is very similar to Avatar's action. The Voltron parts are CGI and a little bit like kind of unimpressive it's very cell shaded it's very it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird yeah. yeah but they don't like he doesn't pop up in every episode like he did in the old show he's like for special emergencies only and also the show just like new episodes come on all the freaking time so yeah. there's tons of it to watch already. i don't think it's very expensive to produce no i don't think it must be either but it looks good and they do some really interesting like twists on the old characters and stuff. And I think the first couple episodes are really good, mm-hmm. like where they're all where one in particular, but they're all learning to to fly the lions. Yeah, like it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's very repetitive in the later seasons, and they just do the same thing over and over again. But it's like puts you in a calm state where you can wash <laughs> your dishes in peace and have it on in the background. That's fair, yeah. Rachel. What's your real good? Um, I have a few. Uh, so if you want starting to... with okay a here's my a's Akira uh, <laughs> uh, so if you want to watch slash read something that like a movie that came out before the whole series had ended um, 
definitely read Akira. Oh, it really is Akira. Which is, which okay. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie came out before, I think the last two books had like come out or something right, yeah. like that. The movie isn't particularly like as great as the books, but I'd also... I'd st- I think that it's still interesting and like they animated it the, the way that it looks like in the books, which is weird and creepy and kind of gross. Um, and it also uh, has like some telekinetic type of powers. Oh, yeah. They're kind of bending in a way. Uh-huh. And if you like Avatar and if you haven't already seen over the garden wall i recommend that because that is another really good animated uh mini series Mm -hmm. would you say Mm -hmm. was like like 10 episodes episodes. episodes. um and also if you want a scary movie that's uh about a telekinetic with a person with telekinesis powers uh watch carrie okay which one uh, the sissy's basic one. Yeah, is that who it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know it's a weird tangent to go off Look, on, but I, Sam and I were talking about this. Like this movie, kind of you kind of have to go on tangents because I'm like, well, what's like this? Nothing, Nothing. should ever be like. Yeah. It, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, cool, Sari. Um, I think you should watch Spirited Away if you haven't oh already. God. Yeah, that Wait. was also yeah. on my list. That makes right, sense. I think yeah, it. because. I'm yeah. actually going to say Princess Mononoke. But I haven't seen Princess Mononoke. Like, I really want to. And so yeah. good. But Spirited Away, I've seen. I, like, watched it as a kid, watched it as an adult, still love it. It is really, like, all Miyazaki-directed movies have really good world building in them mm-hmm. and are just beautiful. And you want to, like, eat the food in eat them. The food <laughs> and bathe in all the water. Yeah. yeah. Just take baths. Play with the little soot puffs and or whatever they are. Like a really runny egg or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, now that you say that, if I were to remake Avatar, I will let Miyazaki remake it in his style. Like a lushly infinite amount of money animated version of Avatar? Yeah. That would be really cool. That is the Hmm. only way I will allow (laughs) it to be redone. All right. I would accept that. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, spirit, and it's like also really connected with spirituality because that's the whole thing is that her parents get turned into pigs and kidnapped into the spirit realm and she has to like go on a journey to like she loses her name as part of it and has to rediscover her identity and like figure out her place and save herself and save her parents. And it's like a nice little packaged journey. Hang out with a hunky dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Cute dragon boy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's like has the same themes of like spirituality and mythology and a kid having to do really grown up things mm-hmm. yeah. that huh. I love. Shoot, you're right. Yeah, that's a very good suggestion. Yeah. Well, mine's not as good um, <laughs> as anything <laughs> as Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke. I, I it's yeah, but. It is a, a series that I loved that was inspired by a, uh, is it manga? Is that the manga? Manga, um, which, well, it was, was a bunch of different sort of artist renderings. Is a show called One, Pun- One Punch Man, uh-huh. which uh, aside from a bit of homophobia uh, late in the first season, it is an incredible journey of a show. It is 
really powerful, but also hilarious and uh, surprising. Mm-hmm. I, I found One Punch Man to be surprising. It's a story of a guy who uh, decides he is going to get himself in superhuman shape and does it and then becomes the strongest person in the universe. Uh, capable of killing anyone with a single punch. With a single punch. No matter what they are. Like, yeah. like intergalactic gods or whatever. And you, you think, <laughs> yeah. where can they go with this? Uh-huh. And yet, no episode is boring. No. Like, it is it is an incredible, incredible experience. He is show. always very bored. But oh, yeah, he's always bored. The show bored. is not boring And that's watch. the point of the yeah. show is that, like, once you've done that, life is boring. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, Idea Channel, uh, Mike Rugnetta and Idea Channel did an episode about uh, one Punch Man that is also very good. Mm-hmm. So I say check it out. It's a short season and it's, uh, I just, I laughed and was nearly moved to tears at the end of it. Like it's on that. Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. And I think a season two is coming. But yeah. Anyway. I think Dragon Ball would also be worth watching the old Dragon Ball. Never That's seen on it. Hulu. It's very, it's like a soap, dumb soap opera. Mm-hmm. So dumb, but so beautifully <laughs> animated. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for sitting through this terrible movie. You're welcome. It was hard. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad we did it in a group screening because I hated it more than I hated Fantastic Four, and that seems impossible to me. I, I love yeah. Fantastic Four, <laughs> not the movie, but I love the Fantastic Four, and the movie mm-hmm. was so bad. But I hated this so much more. Yeah, usually I'm like ambivalent at worst, but this yeah. was like I was actively angry, like yeah. most of the it's time. An aggressively yeah. bad movie. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Real Bad. Sam and Rachel, you guys have a podcast of your own to to promote. Yes, we do. It's called Real Love. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a podcast where we, every week, well, every other week nowadays, we pick a movie for each other to watch, no questions asked, and then we talk about them. And then sometimes we see new movies and talk about those too. Uh, it's at Real Love Pod on Twitter, and you can just search Real Love on wherever you get podcasts and find it there. Excellent. Sari, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at C.E. Riley. And that's, I'm like sometimes on this podcast, sometimes on Snark Squad. You work for SciShow. I work for SciShow. Yeah, what is my day job, yeah. SciShow? <laughs> uh, Did you get a lot of followers after Hank gave you the bump? Yeah, I got like 150 followers. You have so many more followers than I do. I'm very jealous. <laughs> this is very stressful, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Ugh. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, Real Bad is a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network, and I was on an episode of Cinemakers, and you should check that out, where we talked about uh, Fede Alvarez's body of work, which is only two films at this point, uh, Evil Dead and um, Don't Breathe. Spoiler alert, I really liked one of those, and one of them made me hate everything about the world. So... You can listen in and see which was which. I feel uh, like the answer may surprise you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to, like, based on the names of the movies. It may surprise you. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out. And I uh, I was really honored to be part of it. And I think I'm going to get to do a couple more. And that really makes me happy. But you can go to cageclub.me to check out all of the podcasts on the Cage Club network. So uh, thanks for hosting us, Cage Club. I appreciate it. Um, you can find us at Real Bad Pod on Twitter and uh, please subscribe on iTunes and rate and review that helps the algorithm I think Uh, yeah and next week is gonna be an interesting episode and that's all I'm gonna say about it and until then this has been Real Bad Real Bad